Welcome to Section 420, Talking Yankees, the podcast. Well, Yankee fans can breathe a little sigh of relief. The offense finally wakes up. Now it comes in another series loss against the Minnesota Twins. But, you know, the yin and yang of it is that we actually see the Yankee offense go to work and put up a big spot there uh, in the third game. So it kind of salvaged that last game and not get swept by Minnesota. So you kind of take a little solace in that. And the fact that Judge, which we'll get into, uh, took an awkward slide into third base. And at first we thought maybe it injured his hand. And, of course, that just would have been like the end of like at least the first part of the of this season. But, nevertheless, uh, he was able to come back in this game and contribute. So breathe a sigh of relief there. But, again, the Yankees take – a series loss against the Minnesota Twins. So we'll get into all that. But before we do, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. So if you're listening for the first time or have a repeat listener, but still haven't subscribed or follow for whatever reason, do it now. Make a difference in your life. And I want to do a little cross promotion. If you want to go to the YouTube channel, uh, Section 420 Talking Yankees, drop the latest video there, uh, visual video, so you get to see me versus just only hearing me. And I made another visit to Yankee Stadium and kind of got into the whole, you know, a little bit of the Toronto series, but looked back at the, at the cone and his kind of breakdown of Matt Scherzer there and, you know, mixing the alcohol with the rosin and what that really does for the ball. Doesn't really do much and actually actually benefits the pitcher, if anything else. Uh, so look at all that as well. A little Yankee history. Go back at the 100-year anniversary of Yankee Stadium, which technically not really because the Real old stadiums now a park, but I guess they want to use the two plots across 161st Street as quote unquote Yankee Stadium. Fine, kind of break that as well. A little talk about Joe Pepitone. Probably mentioned him here in the audio podcast, but also want to give him some uh, recognition. Again, he did pass away before the season started on the YouTube channel as well. Kind of last of the Mohegan Yankees going back to the 60s era, the golden 60s with like Mantle and Berra and Whitey Ford and Moose Scarron, all those guys, and kind of Pepitone, that last linkage with those folks. Now uh, he's now unfortunately gone. Uh, from Yankee history or Yankee family, whatever you want to call it. So now we're going to get to the series, but before we do, now the Yankee fans got a little bit bad news in a way that because Brian Reynolds, if you had any hopes of him coming here at some point and kind of being a left fielder, steady Eddie for the Yankees, who kind of, yeah, and Yankees kind of floating around always different names there in left field. Well, he's completely off the table now. They were talking about him all offseason, and you know his name would have been hot this coming trade deadline. Uh, but now he's off the books, so the Pirates breaking the bank, shelling out $106 million. It's the biggest deal in the franchise history. Kind of pathetic, but that's actually true. Uh, Eight-year deal with an option for the 2031 season. So they lock up Reynolds. So any, any hopes of him coming here in left field playing for the Yankees, that's just out the window. And it's a situation where where you may have to wait like three or four years into that deal when maybe the Pirates will desperately unload his money. They would maybe get him on a sweetheart deal. But right now, no way is he going to be a Yankee uh, this season or next after that. So since right now, until maybe another name comes up, you're looking at a mishmash of, you know, when Stanton comes back, slash Hicks, if he's still around, slash Oswaldo Cabrera, who you hope you get going with the bat a little bit more there in left field uh, until, again, the Yankees find a more steady uh, option or solution. So the first game was... Um, Johnny Brito versus Sonny Gray. And Brito can get absolutely shellacked in the first game. Couldn't even get out of the first inning. Uh, you would hope maybe if you learned something from that one and would come back a little strong in this game. But that would not be the case. Now, he would at least get out of the first inning. Wow, we. Uh, but unfortunately for the Yankees, they would absolutely get dominated by former Yankees, Sonny Gray. Actually, two former Yankees would hurt the Yankees in this game, as well as Gray and Joey Gallo later on. And Gray, you know, you remember he came here. It was the 2017 season. The Yankees traded for him from Oakland, but was a bit of a disappointment. Wasn't the Sunny Gray we thought we were getting. Um, again, he was never like a big strikeout type of pitcher or anything like that. He was kind of like someone like, you know, kind of a finesse pitcher. Gets to get a lot of ground outs and pop-ups and stuff like that. But when he came here, he just wasn't the, the pitcher that he was with Oakland. And now on his way out the door, he complained that, well, the Yankees 
you know, Yankees coaches, the pitching staff and coaches, sorry, want him to throw more breaking balls and sliders and try to get more swing and misses, which that's kind of true. The Yankees do roll like that a lot. That's kind of part of the reason why Gary Sanchez had so many problems behind the plate blocking balls because that wasn't his forte. But the Yankee pitching staff is always coached to throw a lot more splitters and breaking balls, balls in the dirt to get swings and misses. That's the way Cashman likes to roll. Um, but unfortunately, that really wasn't fit for a gray. That's what he kind of mentioned that. And he did after leaving the Yankees, find success with the Cincinnati Reds and now with the Minnesota Twins. So there is probably something to that. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, it was Brito versus Gray in this game. And finally, it wasn't until the third inning that Minnesota got on the board. Jorge Polanco, with the bases loaded, had an RBI single, would score two. Pitt Minnesota up at a, at a point two to nothing. And later in the third, Kepler would score an RBI ground out. And the uh, Twins would take a three to nothing lead. And again, Jardy Brito, again, he got out of the first, but really wasn't able to do much after that in this game. And then by the fourth inning, he was lifted for Greg Weissart, who uh, facing former Yankee Joey Gallo. Gallo took him deep, increased the lead to four to nothing. You could pretty much turn the game off at that point. Again, the Yankee offense wasn't really able to muster anything against Sonny Gray. Gray went seven innings. Just gave up three hits and had eight strikeouts. And the Yankee offense looked completely anemic against him. And with the score up six nothing in the ninth, the Yankees did scratch a run across. But it, you know, whatever. You don't even look at that point. The Yankees take a six to one loss there. And again, this is when you saw Yankee fans starting to um, get a little squeamish. Now you've seen them, you know, get three games against the Toronto Blue Jays. The offense do nothing. Now you got this first game against the Minnesota Twins. And remember, traditionally the Yankees do very well against Minnesota Twins. Pretty much dominate, have dominated the past 25, 30 years, especially in the playoffs. So anytime anything's going wrong, a visit to Minnesota usually cures all the ails. Well, now be the case, not be the case. And the Yankees, even against the Twins, struggling to score runs. And you know, again, you see fans out in the panic, and it's really a couple of things. I mean, you got to look at the loss of Gio Carl Stan. I mean, that, that's the protection he would uh, give Judge, and you know, Judge not doing overall too great and again without Stanton protecting the lineup and you know which also helps with Frizz as well you know that all filters down and if you look at this the bottom four or five hitters in that Yankee lineup and this is a lot of automatic outs lately you know like Gleyber Torres and the young guys whether it's uh, Peraza or Oswaldo Cabrera the catches whether it's Trevino or Higgy Hicks of course you know has been terrible and he's batting like a little bit over 107 I meant just this like you would take 200 from Hicks right now because he's just struggling to barely stay over 100 right now. So again, I mentioned this in the YouTube um, episode. I just don't know how long they could keep, you know, keep putting him out there. I know he has this year and another year left on a deal, and you're paying him money. But I mean, he's barely hitting over 100, and you got four or five automatic outs at that bottom of the lineup. And Anthony Volpe, who I like, that boom puts him on top of the lineup there, but he's got to hit a little bit better because. We know he can steal bases, and that's why the Yankees have him up there at the top of the line. Great, but you got to get on base, whether it walks or hits or whatever. Um, he's got to do it a little bit. There. Now, he would have a good game three there. It's a pretty little sigh of relief. He would hit two doubles, but again, consistently, if he's gonna, especially if he's going to be in the top of the lineup there, which I like, he's got to hit a little bit more, and the Yankees lose the first game 6-1. to one. Now, after the game, they did send Weissart down, not for uh, actually giving a homework to Gallo, who, you know, usually Gallo's an easy strikeout victim, but no, the Yankees needed to tweak a little bit with the bullpen just with some of the matchups coming up in the next two games. So they sent Weissart down and called up Nick Ramirez from the Rail Riders, give him a major league deal and sign him to the major league roster there uh, to, after that game. So this will bring us to game two where, you know, you have Nestor on the mound. You figure, all right, Nestor Cortez, you know, he's usually reliable and he, you know, maybe right the ship there against Joe Ryan, who absolutely dominated the Yankees. Uh, when uh, Minnesota visited the, uh, in the Bronx a couple of weeks ago. Now, the Yankees would get on the board first in this game. It was Judge, who he walked um, in his first at-bat. Now, he would get on second base thanks to an error by Ryan, and then DJ LeMay would flick a single into right field, easily scoring Judge, and put the Yankees up on the on the board early, one nothing. You figure, all right, maybe we could turn things around a little bit in this game there. Uh, but in the third with the game, already tied 1-1, Jorge Polanco 
would double off Nesta, would score Donovan Solano, and put the Twins up 2-1. to one. But the Yankees would answer in the fifth. Now, Judge would have a fielder's choice ground out at third, but Hicks was able to score on a throwing error by that same Donovan Solano. Uh, he was able to get in there and tie the score up to point two two. And in the game, actually, with Hicks, you know, before matching his hitting woes, another uh, drop ball in left field. Now, I'm not saying it was routine. He had to run against the wall there, but ball kind of clacked in the heel of his glove and then hit against the wall. So, you know, he was on the warning track there. I'm not saying it was a bang-bang play, but I think any most competent left fielders, and even Hicks probably five years ago makes that catch. So, again, not only is he struggling at the plate, but we saw yet another bad uh, flub in left field by him. But you have no choice because Judge likes playing the center field there. So, in the sixth inning, uh, with Nestor on the mound still, uh, Brian Buxton would put the game away. A two-run home run off of Nestor Cortez uh, would increase Minnesota's lead to 4-2. to two. And for Nestor Cortez, actually broke a streak of 16 starts w- that he would give up three runs or fewer. But if that was broken, of course, with this fourth run given up uh, but from the home run from Brian Buxton. And then uh, going to the bullpen there, Launich would hit another two-run home run off of Rob Marinaccio, increase the lead 6-2. to two. And again, at that point, he put the game away. Uh, Minnesota comes away with the second game, winning 6-2. to two. Now, Joe Ryan, uh, again, pretty much dominated the Yankees, increases his um, record to 5-0, and so he's the first five-game winner right now in baseball. Uh, and again, two, two of those wins against the Yankees this season. And for Minnesota, it's their first time since 2001 that they have started off with a 4-2 and two record in the first six games against the Yankees this season, just to show how the Yankees have just dominated them over the past 20-plus seasons. But uh, right now, so far, six games in, uh, Minnesota ha- had a four and two record. And again, you, know, you can see Yankee fans really panicking. Uh, just, you know, not only is it the rest of the guys not doing good, but even like marquee players like judge. And I know DJ got, had an RBI in this game, but still, you don't, you know, you'd like to get more production out of him. And, uh, so it just seems like, and Rizzo, who I uh, kind of gave kudos to in the YouTube episode, you, you know, at one point, you know, a couple of, about a week ago. So he was hitting 344. Now just hovering around 300 more or less. So again, Yankee, Offense, even the, the the marquee players, the big guys, still not get you're not getting it done in a while. But that would all change in Game Three, the game where the Yankee fans could breathe a little sigh of relief. Now, uh, there was a game that celebrated Judge's 31st birthday, so you'd like him get a win for his birthday, and it was Domingo Herman versus Medea. Now, if you remember last time with Herman, this was actually was his best game probably almost a couple of seasons. He spun that 11 strikeout performance again. It was the one where Rocco Bordelli came out and thought maybe you know because Herman also had a little sticky substance on his hand. Then Herman cleared it off, but supposedly had a little bit left on his pinky there. But you know Herman was able to really spin the ball up there great and again had the 11 strikeouts in the game. So you figure maybe hopefully Herman could take that into this game. Uh, now the Yankees would get on the board in the second inning. Gleyber Torres would get the party started uh, with a double. He would score on a Calhoun infield single, put the Yankees up at that point, one nothing. Uh, Judge uh, in the second inning with the bags juiced, hits a double, clears the bags. Um, so he's on second base, and the Yankees put three more on the board. So it gives the Yankees at that point a five to nothing lead, but a little bit scare. You know, Judge, we you know we've seen him even though as a big guy try to steal bases on second already, trying to put himself in scoring position. Goes for third base. Now he's gunned out and thrown out, but as he's sliding his hand there, kind of hand kind of goes in the dirt a little bit awkwardly and kind of looked a little gingerly and was holding it, you know, as he was coming up for third. And of course, all Yankee Nation, you know, holding their breath there because again, if he goes down for any amount of time with just the, the Stant injury and the Donaldson injury and the Beta, you still wait Beta to come back and stuff like that. And just all these injuries are really taking a toll on a team. The last guy you can need to get hurt is Aaron Judge, especially after signing a $360 million deal. But nevertheless, 
Now, Judge did run into the clubhouse, and then people figure, oh, maybe because he, he wanted to get, you know, he was hurt and was like wanted to get an X-ray right away or something like that. But it was actually just more pissed off that he got caught stealing. He thought he you know could get a better jump than that, so he was more mad at himself. Now he would wrap his hand up in this game and continue to play. Now he was DH for this game, so he wasn't in the field, so maybe that helped a little bit that he didn't have to shag balls there in the outfield with the with a bad hand because again it was the left hand there that that, that kind of. He slid in and felt funky with. Uh, he would stay in this game. But the Yankees would put this game away for good in the fourth, uh, thanks to uh, two RBI doubles by Volpe and Rizzo who, uh, later on, would increase the Yankee lead to 9-1. to one, And then Torres would put the cherry on top with a two-run home run, which, again, been waiting for Torres. Again, Torres had a really good start to the season, but you know, over the last maybe two weeks, he's kind of been a little bit quiet. Uh, but, but good to see him get his home run there, because, again, it has to be more people than just Judge doing this. Uh, increased the Yankee lead to 11 to 1 at that point. Uh, and then from there, you could really turn it off. Now, Herman himself, if you look at his final line, he went six innings, did have eight strikeouts. So, again, another good strikeout performance against those same very twins. Uh, but he did give up six earned runs. Now, you could look at him and say that he didn't have a good start. But when you have a big lead like that, they say pitch to the score. And that's when, you know, you're going to challenge hitters more. You're not going to nibble. And when that happens, you're more likely to get hit around just because you're not challenging plays. Obviously, when the score is like, you know, one nothing, two to one, three to one, Again, as a pitcher, you're going to be more fine-tuned. You're going to dot the corners, stuff like that. When you have a big lead, you don't mess around. You don't want to walk players. You just throw say, hey, here, hit it. And sometimes they're going to hit it a long way. Um, even Joey Gallo had another home run in this game. So, again, Gallo burnt the Yankees for two home runs in the series. When you're pitching to the score, you just want to get outs. And, again, you're going to hit, get hit around a lot. So, I would still overall call this a good start by Herman, even though he did give up the six run runs. And from Maeda, he was charged with 10 earned runs in this game. So that just blew his ERA up. And the Yankees at least able to salvage that final game three there uh, for Judge's 31st birthday. And more than just great seeing the offense uh, come to life a little bit, but also good to see um, this fact that, you know, it looks like Judge sliding on his hand there wasn't anything serious and he was able to come back and contribute this game. Now, let's see. The day after, you know, sometimes you know you get hurt and you feel you know, your your body's still warm, you still feel good, and then the next day is when you start getting the ouches. So let's see if uh, you know if there's any lingering effects on the Judge's hand here moving forward. Now road trip continues. Yankees go down a little bit south to the face of Texas Rangers. Both teams have just about the same record. The Yankees 14-11 and Rangers 14-10. and uh, Cole will get a start for the Yankees, so that's good news there. Again, Cole didn't get his win against Toronto, but did. Uh, throw up, um, you know, five and two thirds innings, threw up zeros there. So again, another good quality start from him. So he's had five really good starts for the Yankees. So he's like to keep him rolling there. Now the second game is probably almost take it as a loss because it's going to be Clark Schmidt versus uh, Jacob Degrom. Again, Degrom had a little bit of injury bug, but he looks like he's back and he's slated to pitch the second game of the series. And that's probably the figure, especially with Clark Schmidt pitching. You figure that's the one you're going to lose. So you hope you win the first game. You're probably going to lose the second game, and then you take your chances with the third game. So. That's it with the Yankees. So we've seen a little sign of life from the offense. Great. Hopefully they keep that continuing. And, of course, uh, Brian Reynolds off uh, the Yankee fan dream list. He's now locked up with the Pirates. You know, I'm not saying that this one game for the Yankee outburst is, like, cures everything. Uh, they could just easily go down to Texas and put up another stinker of no offense. But, uh, you know, at least you got to see, see them do that. I think down in Texas, again, I think traditionally the Yankees do well. And I think, you know, being hot down there, I think the ball will fly a little bit. So I think this, you know, this Yankee offense will, will – We'll keep it going um, against Texas. Again, other than Jacob DeGrom, no one really scares you that much. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the Yankees should take two out of three against Texas, but we'll, that remains to be seen. So, hope you enjoyed the episode. And again, make sure you check out the YouTube channel as well and catch the latest video episodes. See me at the stadium there doing a little whatnot. Uh, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.